Welcome to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. Producer Amber here. I just wanted to jump on really quick and give you guys a quick intro for what you're about to hear. So, a couple weeks ago, November 17th, we had our annual commercial forecast event. It was a really great event, and if you've remembered in past years, sometimes we've been able to pull bits of that for you to hear on here, and yes, we have done that again. So, our event actually had four great speakers. We have pulled one of those speakers for you to hear today, just because a lot of them had slides and other elements that really didn't lend themselves very well to our audio only podcast. And there still is a little bit of that you'll hear in this session, um, just a little bit less so than the other ones. So we thought that this would be the one to share with y'all that and the fact that I think it really does appeal to a wider audience than just commercial agents. So you are about to hear the commercial forecast session from Joe Perry. He's the vice president of real estate for Port KC, and you're going to hear him talk a lot about area development in Kansas City, particularly a lot about Berkeley Riverfront and what's going on up there. So you're going to hear a quick intro that's going to dive even more into who he is, why you're hearing from him, and and then he's going to jump right in with his session. So thank you guys for listening. So our next speaker, wonderful, wonderful man, Joe Perry, vice president of real estate for Port KC. Mr. Perry oversees the management development and marketing of properties owned and operated by the agency, including 500,000 square feet of industrial space over 1,000 acres of land, wow, a casino, two intermodal, say that five times, intermodal ports, and the Barkley Riverfront and Port Kate Sea Team Sale Leaseback Bonding Program, which has now issued over $2 billion during his tenure. He is a licensed Missouri and Kansas KCRAR member on the Save Inc. board, the current chair of ULI, Kansas City District Council, where he is also active in REDI, Urban Plan, and been two-time juror for the International Heinz Competition for Real Estate Development. Joe, thank you for being here, and welcome to the stage. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's amazing what kind of introduction you get when you write it yourself. Um, you could not overstate the impact of sports and arts on the real estate development community in Kansas City. They just can't do it. So when I heard that Kathy was going to be the first tonight, that's why I was quick to say, no, I'm not first. Um, and I just said, we, we need a second woman to wrap this up. And I asked Aura if she would join us. Because when you look at uh, the future, as we just heard, um, of the next five-year outlook, uh, you certainly can't overstate the power and the impact of sports, the momentum it creates, um, the actual transactional momentum that we here as a land developer is tied to this excitement on these things that Kathy just talked about. And then on the industrial side, that real momentum into deal making and the, and the capital that comes into this region as a portion 
of, of, of what we're saying, increasing your total stock 4 to 5% a year, every year, for the longest 14-year uh, economic cycle we've ever seen. So I, I was excited to get sandwiched in between, so I'm going to be as brief as I can and uh, get to these two women answering your questions. Um, the Port Authority's one of 15 in the state of Missouri. Uh, my predecessors put a ball on a tee and were waiting for a team to come and hit the ball. Uh, the riverfront was really ready to develop. The enabling legislation in the state of Missouri was ready for us to do sell leaseback transactions. And yes, we hit $2 billion last year. We put $800 million in the pipeline. And just last week, our board in one meeting did $12.5 billion worth of bond inducement at one meeting, $2.5 billion for Aura and $10 billion for another project. And that, that's, think about that for a moment, the impact of just getting right what other states were already doing. So while it's kind of a hockey stick approach for what the, the amount of bonding we've done, all we did was copy what Ohio, Minnesota, California, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, what they, all those states were already doing with port authorities and applied it to Kansas City. Our colleagues in other parts of the state are finally picking up. St. Joe is getting ready to start uh, with the kind of bonding program we're doing in Kansas City. St. Louis has now done one or two, and it's, it's catching on. Um, I'm going to talk about a few projects today. Um, I, I'm going to try to go as quick as I can. We have some legacy projects, the Berkeley Riverfront, yet yeah, 90 acres of long overlooked land on the Missouri Riverfront. The former, uh, the 49 at the bottom uh, is the former Richard Skabauer Air Force Base and Kansas City Southern's intermodal. We still have about 700 acres that we own out there. And then uh, on the right, the old Armco steel plant. Port authorities take land that nobody that has negative or, or almost no value and it's given to us and we don't have any taxes. We don't, we don't get taxes from the state or the city. We eat what we kill. We redevelop that land and return it to the private development market. That's our job. That's what port authorities do in other states, and that's what we do. And in the part of what we do is also this third-party bonding, like we do for, for projects like Aura's, where we step in and do development finance. It's conduit financing for, for projects that are... Uh, would have made sense without us, it just make better sense with us. So um, Kathy hit on the Casey the Current Stadium, and I just will just say, uh, there's, of the, when I got there, the land was ready to develop, like I said, but no one had ever gone vertical. And uh, Hunt Midwest made a great effort on it 20 years ago. Uh, but there was always this impediment, this really complicated lease system that every time you get ready to do something, it didn't work. Forest City came next. Hines, with my former employer, Gale Communities, took a ran at it. It was, it was just right there. But it, so we, we kind of uh, took the impediments away. In my experience as a private land developer, now working on the public side, I just... I told the people that interviewed me, if we take and make this a certain place for people to invest, it will be a no-brainer. We were in the middle of a recession, 
And before we were out of the recession, we had our first $65 million building. Um, we had momentum. So when this stadium came forward and they saw the magic of what was already happening on the riverfront, we had gone from zero to 200,000 people visiting per year on the riverfront with no development. And so Chris and Angie could see the promise of investing what their consultant said should be about $30 million for a women's soccer stadium. You might have heard they're, they're getting closer to about $125 million stadium. But the stadium works as a real estate investment, thinking about who's in this room, because of the other events that will happen. So we have a go-dark provision on this as the landowner. And if they don't produce 60 events a year and it goes dark, then we can have the opportunity to step in their shoes and, and operate the facility. That won't happen because Goldman Sachs and other investors that are giving them the $120 million are going to make sure that, that this thing gets programmed and utilized and creates economic activity taxes. This is what the stadium looks like. You saw this in Kathy's presentation. This is what it looks like looking back. Look at the transparency on the entry plaza at the lower level. Because I want to show you something else. Um, this kind of fan experience look from the southwest corner looking in through to the Bond Bridge. Um, one of my favorite elements is you all probably understand there's a river walk that goes over underneath the bridge over to the uh, Valley Casino. And uh, a lot of people run that every day. Um, this little, the little orange roof has been expanded into an oval in the, in the latest renderings. And it's a two-sided bar. You can walk up to it on the unticketed side and get a drink and be a part of the game or you can walk up to it from the outfield side. And I, I love that part of that. And also, this transparency on the entry plaza does the same thing. Um, these two retail locations will be open 365 days a year. And have you ever been to places where um, places change the game day? I'm thinking like Petco Park in San Diego, places like that where you... Well, this one was designed so you don't have to shut the public out. The public can still go up and unticketed interact with this plaza on game day. And I love that about this. It's more expensive, but they're delivering a quality product that works for fan experience and works for a group of people in a kind of a tailgating kind of way, you know, that, that you get to go and be part of it, even if you're not going inside. So on the riverfront, this is kind of like where we've already been. Uh, the union project at 410 units developed by um, Flaherty and Collins out of Indianapolis is the largest single-phase multifamily project ever in Kansas City. I've said that a lot in the last seven years, and people say, oh, no, it's not. There's lots of bigger ones, but no one can ever name one. Uh, so I'm going to keep saying it. There's a lot of them that are bigger, but they weren't built in one phase. Uh, Bar K has been just a crazy 150,000 people a year come there. To, to a private dog park, first one of its kind in the nation. And then uh, North Point just finished the project on the lower right. That's 350 units called the Core Project. Um, what's coming next? Um, we just had the construction kickoff for the upper right-hand corner. That's the Origin Hotel. It's the Thrash family out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. This is a boutique 140-key 
white tablecloth restaurant hotel. The lower right-hand corner is Vic Allstrom, Lux Living. Uh, he's actively developed in the St. Louis and Southern California markets. That is a seven-story building. Our other buildings to date have been four- and five-story buildings. Uh, that's a two-story con concrete podium with five levels of multifamily on top and first-floor retail. Bar K is at the right, and then North Point's project is the roof behind. And then the lower left-hand corner of the Port Authority is the landlord to the Bally Casino, and, and they are doing a $50 million addition and rewrap of that casino. Above that, you see the streetcar and the bike ped bridge. The city is doing a uh, $8 million parallel to the Grand Avenue Viaduct um, bike ped only bridge. It was supposed to be four car bridge. Because of the streetcar, the other part of that rendering, going on, we don't need the extra car capacity into the riverfront now. So uh, that's been the interesting thing is that becoming more multi multimodal, just that slight shift in traffic over the years of, of more people using other modes downtown has allowed us to build bike ped bridge instead of another car bridge. Then what would the riverfront look like? This is the power of sports. Before the stadium announced, we would get two or three bona fide developers from across the nation come to us a year and give us an offer. Now, uh, and we have basically 55 acres of development land, developable land left. Uh, 30, excuse me, 37 out of 55. Um, all of those buildings on the far right are those four and five story buildings that are there today or under construction today. And the buildings t coming toward the stadium at the lower right are all seven and nine story buildings with 12 to 17 story buildings behind them. This is Buyer Blender Bell's rendering for an actual developer that was given to us uh, about three or four months ago. Every single parcel on the riverfront today is under negotiation. Uh, we don't have any that don't have paper moving on them now. And it's the power of sports and it's the power of the people who will be coming to the concerts and to the women's soccer games that are driving that change of deal velocity on the riverfront. So if you didn't believe it before, take it from me, deal flow increases by a multiple of 8 to 12 when you have something like this. It's, it's nuts. And uh, by the way, the market for development, as everybody in this room knows, is not as good in 2023 as it was in 2021. And yet, we still have eight to 12 times more by any way you measure deal velocity and deal flow. So um, hit a couple others. Uh, our agency is going to work with the city and MoDOT and, and the downtown council on the South Loop link to kind of heal the divide of, of this um, ring of highways around our downtown. So we're looking from central over to Grand. You can see from... The, the Bartle Convention uh, Ballroom over to the Sprint Center. This is what that area could look like if it had a bridged park over those four city blocks, much like Clyde Warren Park in Dallas. 
This is kind of what that area would look like instead of being a scar. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but there is federal money earmarked for the project to get started. There's a long way to go on the fundraising on the local side, but there's good people on the job, and I think with the momentum of the story of what John Sherman tweeted out yesterday and, and other momentum that's going on downtown, that this has gone from a pipe dream to something that looks very attainable and doable for a city experiencing growth in the downtown market in the billions instead of the tens of millions like we were in the last economic cycle. So why do a 670 uh, South Loop Link deck? There are ESG, uh, environmental, social, governance-type issues uh, that you can look at. And then there's also the, just the pure dollars in real estate volume. I just took a tour with real estate developers in Dallas at the Urban Land Institute fall meeting uh, last month. And when I walked around with friends of mine who really just built buildings actually invested hard dollars like Zom Living and walk through that development. Why did you build there? Why did you build there? I just kept asking that question. And it was always Clyde Warren Park, Clyde Warren Park, Clyde Warren Park. So that's the power of this. It's no different than the draw of that stadium. Um, it works. It's like the streetcar. How many people in this room, me included, over the years said, light rail wouldn't work in Kansas City, wouldn't produce economic development, neither will the streetcar, until it did. Um, we always think that we're different in Kansas City till we do something, and then we find out we're not different than other cities. You make these investments, and the money follows. Um, now I, I, I pivot to the other thing. Out of that $2 billion worth of bonds, two-thirds of it was industrial development. The stuff on the riverfront's what everybody comes to me at a cocktail party and wants to know what we're doing on the riverfront. What we really do and what I'm really proud of are the thousands of jobs and the billion-plus dollars worth of investment that have gone into the structures that we have helped finance as a public agency for developers in four counties, all within Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, I will just uh, put a cap on what we just heard as a forward-looking. PricewaterhouseCoopers just came out with their forward-looking numbers, like you heard today, and that uh, overview that was presented last month in Dallas is a survey. And it's also based in data, like CoStar's data. That's one of the inputs to that model. But it also relies on practitioners. And the Kansas City market, the forward-looking uh, in the PricewaterhouseCoopers was for people looking at the 80 top markets in the United States. How do you look at return on investment as a potential place to put your money down or a place to develop as two distinct questions? And I forgot which was which, but on one of those questions, Kansas City came out 15th out of 80. And on the other question, we came out 16th out of 80. Those are actual people making actual investments. And the numbers went up when you ask people who are already investing in our city. Now, that's a, that's a nice metric for all of us that are wondering, especially um, in the asset classes like we just heard that we expect to do well in multifamily and industrial going forward in Kansas City. Um, 
So uh, if you want to get a hold of that, that's an easy one to find. But I wanted to mention that because it, it underscores what you just heard. Um, the Missouri River, River Terminal is the old Armco steel plant. It's the remaining acreage is at 435 and Front Street. Um, we got a hold of it because it was environmentally fouled. And we stu stood in the shoes of the current owner and the, uh, their liability for the environmental in order to get a hold of the 425 acres, which we will turn into a uh, intermodal part serving three Class A railroads and a uh, river uh, container on barge. So we did that in a mini version at State Line and the south bank of the Missouri River. Uh, last year, we exceeded, uh, on average for the last five years, we're, we're hitting, uh, I believe, close to about five million tons of, of freight. That's freight that no longer has to go through the bottlenecks of I-70, basically. Uh, the Missouri River is known as the M-70, or Marine 70, parallels I-70. So um, as a corridor, that... Uh, takes hundreds of thousands of trucks a year, and you can imagine if you're MoDOT, you don't have to repave the Missouri River every five years. So, and I mean, not jokingly, I mean, that is the economic benefit to the state for us to be taking trucks off of I-70. For us, it's just uh, less trucks to be behind when we cross the river at Roach Park, right? I mean, uh, that's the practicality to most of us. Uh, the Blue River Corridor south of there, someone said a few years ago at an economic uh, summit where they got all the industrial brokers on the state, if you had a magic wand, what would you do? They said, I'd wave it and put jobs back in the Blue River Corridor. I've heard that many times over the years. It's dirty. It needs to be cleaned up. Some of it has uh, logistics problems. It needs road improvements. Um, but as we look at the north end of that and, and building that intermodal port, we need to look at how that can go all the way down to the Truman Sports Complex. That used to be the jobs backbone of the city. Think about 435 um, from Worlds of Fun down to past uh, the park and the zoo all the way down to the old Richards Cabal. You think about that corridor, think about six of the ten highest attended uh, venues in the city are on there. Sports Complex, Worlds of Fun, Starlight Theater, the Zoo, and think about all the jobs. Hunt Midwest and, uh, and Ford Plant and the Hallmark and just it's, the 435 is an amazing economic engine of this city, and we need to put as much back on that as we can. So the last one is the old Richards Gebauer. The yellow here is, uh, we, we now call this 49 Crossing. The yellow is the Kansas City Southern Intermodal. Uh, purple is owned by the city of Belton. All the blue land is stuff that we own. Um, the others are all marked. Some of it's already uh, redeveloped of stuff that, uh, that the port used to own, but now is things like the world headquarters for Sioux Chief Manufacturing. Um, you, you can see the names. But the exciting part is at the north end of that, you got Honeywell, 
sitting there with 4,400 people making an average of $120,000 a year in that building. And they need to expand. So we have cleared the decks on the land to the east of that where it says Botts Road and worked with a number of people to remove an old asphalt plant. We gave them land on the south side to get it out of there so that that will become an attractive place so when the federal government decides to put in the phase two of NNSA that will happen in Kansas City instead of New Mexico or somewhere else. And again, I think that that's what port authorities are meant to do is to, to create and to get rid of the obstacles on places that the private sector would have no reason to, uh, to invest in that far in advance of the actual returns. Um, we've already gone over these numbers, so I'm not going to repeat them. But I want to end with just saying where I was before. Sleepy little agency that before I got there in its lifetime had let $22.5 million worth of bonds. And this is where we are today. And I already told you where we were last week. And I wanted to put the T on the ball because I really mean it. Sports and arts and industrial are going to be the place that will create opportunities for all the other asset classes. And I've got enough gray hair in this room now to feel like I can say that. It's like if we take care of those things that we're going to have, the rest will have opportunities too. <laughs>